Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. This week, we're in Sefer Bamidbar, and the Torah portion is Pinchas. And the theme we're going to be talking about this week is, what is the secret to raising good kids? Parshat Pinchas is all about setting up systems to outlast the desert. Now, of course, it opens with the dramatic aftermath of the showdown at the Exodus Chorale, where Pinchas has just killed Zimri and Kosbi, uh, the Israelite and the Midianite woman, who, who were engaged in a problematic relationship. Um, and uh, God declares that Pinchas will now have a covenant of peace, and he will become the uh, ultimately the progenitor of the line of high priests. And finally, the daughters of Tzlovchad. Tzlovchad was a Israelite who had died, and his daughters were concerned that when the land would be allocated in Israel, that under the allocation rules, they would not get a, uh, a piece of land because they were all women. And of course, Moses brings their uh, complaint to God, and God says that the daughters of Tzlovchad speak well, and the law changes to accommodate their complaint. Okay, and we're going to illustrate this theme, which might be a surprising theme for Parshat Pinchas, with a vignette. And I'm going to present now the bare bones of the story, and then Hody and I are going to do a role play in a little while based on this vignette. So the story is, and we're going to play Max and Sophie Katz, a middle-aged couple who are extremely upset about upsetting choices that their eldest child, a son, Peter, whose name is Pinchas, has made. Pinchas, who's 29, has joined an organization called Never Again. Mm. And it's a far left-wing, anti-Israel, anti-occupation organization. The issue at hand is that Pinchas is refusing to go to Israel for his younger brother's wedding. The wedding is taking place over the Green Line in southern Jerusalem. And now Hody and I are going to become Max and Sophie, talking about our son who's giving us a lot of anguish. Sophie, ah, I, I don't understand it. I, I really don't understand it. He. He was always a thoughtful kid, a good kid. I mean, Peter, he was a, he's a good guy. But what is this childishness? You know, it's, it's not childish, Max. He, I think he's dangerous. I think he's become radicalized. I mean, did you see that picture in the paper? It was so embarrassing. There was our son oh, standing gosh. next to these anti-Zionists. But, I, I mean, I don't think he's like a terrorist or anything. Uh, I think he's capable of rash action. But, you know, in the meantime, I, my heart is breaking. How did this happen? Where did we go wrong, Max? I don't know. I've been asking myself the same question every every day uh, since he told us that he that he won't go to the he won't go to to, to his own brother's wedding. I, I mean, 
I look, I understand he 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 has strong political sentiments. I mean, look, Sophie, you and I, we both we feel strongly about politics too. It's probably where he gets it from. But but I mean, it's not like it's a it's a political demonstration. It's a wedding, right? And we did raise him to be passionate, but we didn't expect his passion to go in this direction. And all the time, you know, just the other day, I saw Ruth Berman, and I just oh, couldn't Ruth. stop thinking. You know what I'm thinking yes, about? Yes, I think about it's the you daughters. Sometimes. You know those girls, Malka, Noah, and Tirza. They grew up with our boys. We carpooled ah. them to day school together. They went to camp together. They've done very well. Those girls, they're very so well. lovely. One is a teacher. Mm. One is a Jewish day school really? principal. Really? principal now? I didn't know that. Yes, oh. and the third one is a social worker, and she's working with, with the poor. I mean, so she's doing social justice things. But she's not doing it. She's not anti-Israel. She's not a radical. She's not a zealot. And and the, our, those girls, they're they're married to lovely boys. Who is our Pinchas? Who's he with? I'm not so impressed with who he's with, as you know. Oh, I don't know. It's just so painful every time I see the Burmans, and they're the nicest people. And I just can't stop thinking, what did we do wrong? Okay, so now we are stepping out of those roles, and we are Michelle and Hody again, and we're going to be talking about this question. How do kids turn out to be the way they are, and how much influence do parents have? You know, we, we think so much that as parents that we have a lot of influence, and of course we have influence, but we got to think about what was the kid born like? What is this kid's genetic template? What was what was Peter, a.k.a. Pinchas's nature as a child, as a little boy? Um, you know, was he a fighter as a young kid? Is this kind of his inborn nature? Or another thing is, was he picked on a lot? Did he become a fighter because he needed to defend himself? because there were circumstances going on, maybe not in his family, but in his peer group, in the schoolyard, on the bus, wherever, where he kind of got it into his mind and saw maybe from other examples of his peers that being a tough guy was the way to go. It's also possible, I would imagine, the parents have modeled that being a tough guy is actually great. That's right, because that's another good question. Was Pinchas raised to be a zealot? His parents wanted him to do bold things. They wanted him to do important things. And how much of this generation's, the Pinchas that we talked about in our role play, is a zealot who's doing a kind of pendulum shift to differentiate himself from his parents? Right. Well, and it's hard to imagine that the biblical Pinchas didn't have some strong personality, a strong sense of justice. It's, it's very hard for me to imagine that, that the biblical Pinchas or our role-play Pinchas um, were sort of gentler, conflict-averse children. Right. But let's go to the daughters of Tzlofachad, a.k.a. the Berman daughters, <laughs> in our role-play. We all know the daughters of Tzlofachad. Right. How did, and they are, of course, everybody admires them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How did they turn out to be who they are. We don't even know really. Their mother's never named. No. You know, and, and we know their father, in the, in the Torah, we know their father is absent. We don't know at what point he died exactly. But um, so where are they getting this 
sort of strong sense of, uh, I don't know, of working through the system. And working together. Working That's together. That's another really important trait that parents, I think especially as children get older, is something that's very, very prized. Do children, adult children, work together? Do they enjoy each other's company? Or do they fight? Are they alienated? Are they, is there animosity between them? Yes. I know a family whose motto is under one roof because that is considered to be the highest of goals, that the family should be able to be under one roof and share a sense of uh, mission, which it seems the, that the daughters of Slovchad um, did. And I can only imagine that there must have been some modeling at home for the, daughter, the, the daughters of Slovchad as well as the, the Berman daughters, um, <laughs> some modeling of how to work out conflict, um, and, uh, and how to build a, a coalition, how to talk and process together. That's right. And that involves some subsuming of their individual passions, like that they, they are not saying one of us has to be the star. Interesting. Even right. In, All in, five approach. That's right. Moses. And in the text, the order of the names is changed. So it's yeah. almost like there is no one order that they have to wow. be called in. And for what what a contrast to the some of the other families we see in the Torah, like uh, the twelve right. sons of Jacob. Who right, these girls really get order along. obsessed. Now, do you think there's any downside to the daughters, the Berman daughters, or the Slovchad daughters? Well, I think there could be a couple of downsides, Michelle. One is subsuming your individual identity. I think has great power and importance, but it could cost them. Uh, you know, if they if one of them thinks a little differently. They might feel they have to sort of join the collective, go to Moses, you know, um, sub suppress their own desires. And another thought is that does it work in emergencies? Like in the Pinchas story in the Bible, uh, in, our, in our portion of today, Pinchas acts, he, he, he turns on, a, on less than a dime. I mean, he acts... He took a spear in right. his hand. That right. was it. Right. So there isn't a pause before action. Uh, right. And maybe you could say the vigilante approach has its downsides. But in order to achieve consensus, it takes some time working through. And does that, can that work in the face of an acute emergency? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Zimri and Kosby might never have been killed had, had Pinchas gone to Moses and asked for a formal commission to study, uh, to study this. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, now, I'm wondering what happens when children be they the Burmans or the, uh, the... Max and Sophie's yes. uh, son. Be they the yeah, Burmans right. or the Katzes, uh, the, the Pinchases or the Benot Slovchad. Right. What happens when kids turn out to have sharply different traits than the parents, maybe just from birth? Right. That can be really shocking to parents. And as a mother of three daughters myself, I know that it was really a surprise to me when my second daughter was born. I kind of expected her, because it was the same gender, to her, for her to be like the first daughter. And she was an entirely different mm -hmm. type of temperament, as was the third. So it's really surprising when we see in ourselves how we expect kids to turn out a certain way. And there's a book that I want to recommend to listeners. It's a thick book, but it's worth it. Andrew Solomon's Far From the Tree. Uh, and the title, Far From the Tree, kind of tells you what the story is, that Solomon looks at children 
who are very, very different from their parents. He takes different categories such as Down syndrome, autism, deafness, dwarfism, and a few other uh, categories. And he looks at what it's like for parents when their children are really radically, sometimes biologically, so different from them. How do you forge a parent-child bond? How do you connect to a child who is so different? And it can be very, very painful. It could even be repulsed That's by right. your child. That's I right. Think it's not pleasant to say that, but I'm That's sure right. there are parents who feel that way. Yeah, and I think that parents, as all people, but parents, since they must connect to their children, there isn't too much of a give back policy with kids, <laughs> need to find a plane of love. A plane meaning like P L A N E, like a someplace they can connect with that child and build on and find something that they can hold in common. And even if it's one activity, even if it's something that the parent is entirely bored by, if it's reading, I don't know, Harry Potter a million <laughs> trillion times with the kid that has is just obsessed with it and is not interested in anything else. So for our family, the cats is Yeah. Do you think they need to find some avenue where they can agree with uh, their son, Peter? Yeah, I think that they need to find some place where they can be relaxed and they can be uh, fond and maybe even a little playful. I think parent, families mm. in struggle need to find a neutral area that can be warm. So maybe, for example... They, they're going to let go of pushing Pinchas to go to the wedding, and they're going to make a reception in the United States that Pinchas will come to. Wow, that's a fantastic idea. It makes me wonder, Michelle, if, the, if Pinchas and the Torah, he grew up in a pretty serious uh, environment, I would imagine. The, the, the tabernacle was not a place of playfulness and, no. uh, and warmth, necessarily. It's a place of serious worship. And I'd like to imagine that perhaps the daughters of Tzlovchad had, uh, had a more loving and whimsical childhood. Well, it's interesting. One of the uh, exegetes um, postulates that they're, they're the daughters of the man who gathered sticks in the wilderness and was punished for that. So if, if going with that uh, idea, it makes them marginalized people. It makes them outsiders. And sometimes people who live on the edges who are marginalized have a great deal of compassion and, and, need to, and need to bond with each other. So the issue of uh, how, to, how do you raise good kids, we don't have any answer for that, of course. And I think that what the, we, to do the best we can, we need to model what we believe in and we need to spend time and we need to speak our hearts and um, to, to teach our children through our actions. <laughs>